Well, good morning. For those that don't know me, my name is Wynne Bowman. I'm on staff here at Grace as one of the pastors. And boy, those testimonies really touched my heart as a pastor, uh, knowing some of the struggles that these fellow guys went through. Pastoral ministry is not easy. And that's why I'm so thankful for Agora Network Ministries and how they support uh, guys like me and Louie and others in ministry, not just pastors, but all ministry type leaders. Um, it's my pleasure to be able to introduce our guest today. Alan Gallant is the founder of Agora and now the Canadian Executive Director. And his life story, as we'll share this morning, was the reason I think Agora actually started, right? And so we're going to hear about that. So Alan, please come up and share from God's Word and minister to us about what God's doing in you and through your ministry. Thank you. <clears throat> it's so good to be with you today. And uh, I know you can see me, but I can't see you. And maybe that's a good thing, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, my wife and I are delighted anywhere that uh, God brings us to meet new uh, people uh, that are part of the family of God. And so we're delighted to be with you. We had a great time yesterday afternoon. Uh, we had about 30 of us here, and we went through a little seminar just to give you some highlights and information about mental wellness and some ideals of how you can um, help yourself and others. Today is a special day, not only because I'm here, <laughs> but um, our daughter, our oldest daughter, turns 37 today. I know, you're looking at me and say, you don't look a day over 38, but, <laughs> but uh, she's 37 today, and, uh, and uh, so we'll go and celebrate her with her day later, but uh, it brings me to a story that I love to share. Uh, it reminds me of four fathers. They're in the waiting room. Their wives are in the uh, uh, labor and delivery uh, uh, unit, and they're giving birth. <clears throat> so the nurse comes in, and uh, she says to the first father, she says, uh, congratulations, uh, you have twins. He said, wow, that's great. Interesting, because I, I, I work for the Minnesota Twins. And so a little later on, the uh, nurse comes back in and says to the second father, uh, congratulations, you have triplets. And he says, that's amazing. I, I work for the uh, 3M company. And so the nurse comes back in later, and she talks to the third father, and, and uh, she says, wow, she says, congratulations, your wife just delivered quadruplets. He said, amazing. I work for the Four Seasons Inn. The forefather is in the corner. He's moaning and crying and hit his head against the wall. And the nurse said, what's the matter with him? They said, he works for 7-Up. <laughs> uh, I share that story everywhere I go because that's the only joke I know. Uh, so anyway, again, it's a, a delight to be with you. Um, I can share many stats with you today and what mental health is. You can find your own information online on um, what mental health is, what it's not, what mental illness is. 
and that you can be diagnosed with a mental illness but still be healthy mentally. I was diagnosed with a clinical depression back in 2017. That year was a very difficult year for me and my wife and family. I was two years out from resigning from my uh, church plant that my wife and I started. And uh, I was two years out because I hit a wall in 2015 with burnout. I didn't take care of myself. I thought I was Superman in a sense. I was not as old as I am now. I'm 58, something like that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'll be turning 60 in a year or so. I like the so part. <laughs> but I, I thought I had, uh, you know, I could do this. But I found out that very quickly, because I was burnt out before I started the church plant, that my burnout really turned into a clinical depression. On July 7th, 2017, I stand before you today, one who survived a major stroke. I should have died. That's what the doctors told me. I won't get into all the details of that stroke, but it was a life-changing experience for me, my wife, and family. I didn't lose any function of my body. I was able to get to the hospital in time where they were able to give me what they called a TPA drug. And within an hour or so, um, my blood pressure kept coming down and slowly, they don't like to take you down too fast because they don't want you to stroke again. But what I couldn't do and one thing that I needed to do was talk. Many stroke victims don't have their voice after a stroke for a little while. They get back within hours. Some do. But for me, where the stroke happened was right in the speech area. The speech area of our brain is next to the emotions of our brain. And so I couldn't talk. I was rushed to the hospital not knowing what really was going on. I didn't know if I was going to live or die. I knew I had a stroke. I didn't know if I was going to walk again or use my arms. And I couldn't talk. I couldn't ask the ambulance drivers questions. I saw them give me, you know, different needles and get me prepared for the hospital as we went and I was scared, but scared, but at peace, because I knew, knew, you need to know, as, even as a, as a believer, when we go through different crises like that, and whatever you go through, Jesus Christ is our peace. He's not only the best and greatest healer, but Jesus doesn't become peace. He is peace. And so even though I was scared, I had this peace in my, in my heart. But I couldn't speak. 
my wife and kids, we have five kids. And that is another story. We just spent 10 days where the kids, we have five kids, four are married. We have seven grandkids. I know I look so young for grandkids. Uh, but I'm sure in the next couple of years, I'll have no hair left and, uh, because of the grandkids. But we spent 10 days with kids. And when they left, we were so happy. <laughs> so happy. If you're listening, I'm sorry. But we were happy <laughs> when you did leave. But my kids came and their spouses came. And, and all I wanted to do was tell them that I loved them, but I couldn't. Because I thought, if I'm going to die, I at least want to tell them. I couldn't even write, I love you. To make a long story short, um, I began to recover. But I still couldn't speak. I shared that with you because my speech came back as I went through therapy. But even though my speech was coming back, um, there was something going on inside of me that was just not right. When I was a kid, I saw a lot. I experienced a lot in my world. I experienced trauma, disappointment, hurt, emotional hurt, physical hurt. I heard things that I shouldn't have heard. Things were done to me that shouldn't have been done to me. But I kept them quiet in my inner world. I didn't tell anybody. I began to forget about all of those things. And that's what we do sometimes. When we go through trauma, when we go through abuse, when we go through these hurtful things in our lives, many times we try to forget them. But because of the stroke that happened to me, and where it happened, these emotions came back. These memories came back. And I couldn't deal with these memories or these feelings. So not only could I not talk well, because I'm beginning to talk more and more. I'm having all these trauma memories. I'm getting more anxious and more depressed. I was becoming very fearful to the point where... <clears throat> I was recovering as a stroke victim physically, and my speech was getting better, but inside my love was crumbling to the point where I came to the realization is if this is my new normal, if I can't think properly, if I can't cope with these emotions, if I can't deal with decisions, if I'm going to be on the floor many hours of the day or curled up in a ball in the corner crying like a baby, if I don't want to wash 
or take care of myself. What's the use in staying here? And I thought, if this is my new normal, I didn't want it. So I began to talk to myself about suicide. If this is what life is going to be for me now, I didn't want it. And here's the point of that suicide thought. Many people that want to take their lives, they don't want to die. They just don't know how to live. And maybe here today you're struggling with some thoughts, emotions, behaviors. You're struggling with trauma of the past or present. You're, you're struggling with fear and worry and anxiety. I want you to know something today. That there's hope for you. There's great hope for every human being on the planet. Not only is Jesus Christ the hope of the world. Amen? Amen. But we also can find other resources and supports that will help us in our journey in life. I began to speak more and more. I have to tell you this story. A month or so after the stroke, my wife and I went out to uh, dinner. And um, I was beginning to talk. I, I had a, a speech therapist, and uh, we had some fun. <laughs> we had some videos of that time, and man, I, I really couldn't speak well. And anyway, so we went to the restaurant, and many of you here today might think, ah, oh, he sounds French. He sounds like he has a French accent. But I don't. <laughs> it's the stroke that left me with this voice. But uh, so I meet people all the time and say, what part of Quebec are you from? I said, I'm not. I'm from Cape Breton Island. <laughs> There's a big difference, you know. And we have our own accent for sure. But anyway, uh, uh, we went up to this restaurant and she was saying, okay, you have to practice speaking. So uh, I, I, I ordered our meal and the waitress, I said this yesterday, our waitress started to speak French back to me. <laughs> and I said, no, I don't speak French. She's, not like, but not like that, but I don't speak French. And she said, what nationality are you? And I said, lady, I, you know, I told her the story. But uh, so if you think that I have an accent today, it's not. It's part of the stroke. But, you know, as God led us to this ministry, and I, as I said yesterday, uh, I, <clears throat> this is how I view this. I don't know why God took away my voice and gave me a new voice, but he did. And so as we relate our ministry to people that are struggling with their mental health and wellness, God took away my voice, gave me a new voice to be a voice for those that don't have a voice. Now, in the church, the stigma of mental wellness, health, illness is huge. And many Christians are scared to talk about their mental wellness or their mental health struggles because of stigma. Stigma is 
It means a mark of disgrace. And so many of us feel that if I am struggling in my brain or my mind, that I don't want to tell people because they might label me. They might say that I'm, I have sin in my life that's unconfessed. Or I'm struggling with a demon. Or I'm not a strong Christian. My wife and I went to a counselor after I got out of the mental health hospital that I spent 10 days in because I was suicidal. And we went to the church, and this church was so gracious to us. And they uh, allowed us to go into the uh, 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 Christian counselor free. But as I share with him what's going on in my life, uh, he did what many of us will do as believers because many of us don't see that mental health is a real issue. The struggle is real, let me tell you. But this counselor said, in essence, he said to me and my wife, pray more. Read your Bible more. Trust God more. And by the way, here's some verses that you should claim, and in time, you'll be okay. Good advice, no doubt. But we were praying more. We were trusting God. We were reading. Bonnie was reading the scriptures to me. We had people come to the house. I had people anoint me with oil. And it was all good. And God was honored and glorified. But I still struggle in my mind. You see, folks, we are made body, soul, and spirit. Every one of us here. And my body, my physical was not in good condition my brain is an organ just like my heart and my kidneys my brain was sick my spirit life with Jesus body soul and spirit the connection I had with God his spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am what a child of God my spiritual life was in disarray and my soul which the bible refers to our mind heart and soul my inner world was falling apart and i needed help in all three areas jesus christ is the greatest healer. Do you believe that today? He will heal us body, soul, and spirit. And if you're interested in more of our story, we have our story written in book form. You can come to our table and take a look. And there's a lot that I can share with you today. And I want to finish with a, a word of, from the scriptures. But I want you to know that even though I struggled severely in 2017 and 18, God began to restore my life. Do I still battle mental illness? Yes, I do. But I have learned over the time that Jesus, I say this, I hope you don't mind. Um, 
um, we wrote this book, but I feel that I have, have to re, uh, write another book because uh, there's not only one thing that we can do to see healing and hope come back, but I'm on medication. I am. And I'm not ashamed of that. And I think many of you might be too, but maybe you hide the fact that you are. And that's okay. I take a drug for my serotonin because of my clinical depression. I take a drug at night to help me with my uh, anxieties, helps me sleep. And that's okay. So the new book I want to write is this. God is the greatest healer, Jesus is. But drugs and Jesus, a great combination. And I think it will be a bestseller. And I tell you what, if I come back here, I'll give you a discount. But, you know, here's the thing. I can share so many different stories and so much more about my life. Uh, but uh, it's just not one thing that will he give us hope and healing. There's a multitude of things that can do that. But as a child of God... God wants to restore you, and he can do that. Let me go back to the hospital as I just come to the scriptures in one minute. As I come back to the hospital, laying on the hospital bed, I struggle with anxiety, depression, fear all of my life, and now I'm in this situation not knowing if I'm going to die, live, walk again, talk. And I'm talking to God in my mind. See, for many years, even as a pastor, I was running away from God. The day the stroke happened to me, I was writing our church pastor and said, I'm done. I didn't want to serve the church anymore. I began to hate the church. I began to say to God, if this is what church life is like because of the trauma and her I experience, I said I didn't want it. And so I sent that email to my pastor. And within seconds, the stroke happened to me. Not because I sent the email. But God has a plan. And so when I'm in the hospital room in the ER, not knowing what's going to happen to me, I said, God, you're giving me a second chance. And I want to take it. And I said, God, I realize that my physical, my mind, my spiritual life is in the toilet. But I need you to restore my soul. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. The living God. David said, why is my soul disquieted within me? Why is the soul downcast. Put your hope in God. And I said, God, please restore. If you don't restore my body, please restore my soul. And he began to do that. I want to take you to this verse. You see on the, on the screen? It's a wonderful verse. It says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Isn't that great? 
I love this verse, and it makes so much more to me after the stroke and when I was in the hospital. For those God foreknew, though for those God foreloved, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And we know something. Isn't it great that as believers we can know things? There's some things we don't know, but what we do know is this, that God in all things will work for the good of those who love him. And I stand on that today because God doesn't become good. He is good. God doesn't become love. He is love. God doesn't become peace. He is peace. God works for my good and your good. In whatever situation you find yourself in, whether it's a stroke, cancer, mental illness, whatever it is, God is still working in your life. And we have to realize that we have a God who cares for us so much that he will take the ashes of our critical, our crisis, and make something beautiful in, in the situation. That's why our book is called The Beautiful Strokes of God. He took our ugliness and he transformed it into something beautiful for his glory and our good. So we know that in all things God works for good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And this is what I love. For those God foreknew, he also predestined. I love that word, don't you? Here's what the word means. Set a course to the finish. You're on a course. You have a story. I don't know your story. You know a little about mine. I'm reading a book right now. It's called I Don't Like My Story. But the author talks about how God can redeem our story. How he can redeem our trauma our mental illness, how we can redeem our worries, our fears. Isn't that good? See, if you don't restore my body, please restore my soul. He has set you on course to the finish. And the finish line isn't heaven. The finish line is present. He has set us on a course for some reason to be conformed to be changed, to be transformed into what? The image of his son, Jesus Christ. He can take whatever happens in your life. Know that God has set you on a course because he wants you to be like his son, Jesus Christ. You can't be him, but you can be like him. And that's so encouraging for me in this journey. What about you? Do you need God to do restoration work? Renewal work? Renewed work? How's your soul? How's your mind? How's your spiritual connection with God? Those are questions that we have to ask. And we have to answer. 
Because for me, many of my struggles in my trauma and abuse were because my soul was so wounded. But now my soul longs and pants like the deer for the God who can give me great hope. Please visit our table. We're not scary people. My wife is, you know, the better looking of the two, and she will talk to you. I will too, but we have some resources. Please avail yourself. Ask the questions. We love to help you. We have psychotherapists, Christian psychotherapists. We have a Christian mental health doctors. We have uh, people, social workers that can sit down and talk to you. We have uh, courses that we can offer online and in person. Uh, we have a lot of good stuff on our website. Go check out our podcast. Check our uh, blogs. In, 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 um, um, reach out to us personally. Just before I came in, one of our board members texted me and said, I had a lady just call me, and she needs help uh, with her mental illness. Uh, we need to send her some <coughs> resources. We get texts, calls, emails all the time. Please don't suffer in silence. Church, I applaud you today for this conference this weekend. Thank you so much. And thank you for having us here. This is just a drop in the bucket of what's happening in, within our churches. In this room, and I'll close with this, six out of ten of you are struggling with mental health across Canada. Six out of ten people. It might, you might just need to talk to someone or you might need to see your doctor. But don't struggle alone. Blessing and thank you so much.